This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Samsonites, we're getting into the breaking news events, the three major breaking news events that took place over last weekend. We're also doing extensive GOP convention coverage. Yes, Joey? Yes. A little shy of two-hour episode. Great episode. Listen. Samson Podcast, coming to you from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Oh, hello once again. My name is Christopher Flannery. I'm joined, as always, by Joseph Noe. Joey, how you doing over there? I'm doing great, Chris. Also, I have a quote for you that I want to start the show off with, and I want you to tell me who said it, okay? Hold that thought. Uh, We're also being produced by Johnny. How's it going over there? Hey, now. That's right. He's got it uh, right off the bat, and Hannah's also in the room. Hannah, good to have you here as well. Uh, welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Joey wants to start this one with a quote, so go for it, Joey. This is your dream. Anything you can do in your dreams, you can do now. Oh. Who's, Who said that? Uh, I'm assuming Donald Trump Jr.? No. Okay. Twilight Sparkle. Who is that? The pony. From what? My Little Ponies. Oh. Where'd you get that from? Are you, are you a brony? <laughs> I am not a brony, uh-huh. but that was the defense that one of the Trump campaign supporters uh, was, used, was used in terms of Melania's speech about the uh, copyright. I, I don't understand situation. how that relates at all. All right, put a pin in that. Let's talk about that when we get to the, okay. the, uh, the convention coverage, because we certainly do have a lot of convention coverage. We have a 2016 update, all that stuff. Um, this week, let me tell you, I probably cut out more... From this rundown that I have in any show we've ever done before, there was simply too much going on in the world. Yeah, we can't cover it all. We will do our best to break down these topics that did make the cut. The 9-11 reports missing 28 pages came out, Joey, so we're going to talk about that. Yeah, Uh, The Nice attack on Bastille Day, obviously the French terror attack, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it. Uh, The attempted coup in Turkey which took place over the weekend, the Baton Rouge police shooting, and like I said, the GOP convention and a a 2016 update. That's like a double plate. A double plate? That we have to focus on. There's a lot. Oh, there's way too... Believe me, there's way too much to to get into, but we will do it. Uh, Before we begin with any of uh, that, we have this adorable story um, about American waste. How much food we waste, our, our produce that goes to waste in this country. That's not adorable. It's, well, you know, I was being, being sarcastic. Uh, the, you want to, but before we even get to that, you, you got a Pokemon update or something? What's going on? First of all, you drank, uh, you told me a couple of cups of coffee. You're wired. I, I, the energy is off the charts. I, I don't even know what to do with you. It's today. a great energy, uh-huh. and we're just going to try to focus it. You're going to try to focus it. <laughs> uh, yes, I am. Uh, the Pokemon is, it's going. Still casually playing it. Right. Right now, I am level. I tell you in one second, I got to boot this up. I think up. you said 13 before. I believe it is level 13. So that's seven better than you were last week. Is that correct? Uh, I. Th- Joey, what are you out of your mind? We don't have the rights to that. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. Fair use. Fair use. It was uh, like the, w- within 10 seconds. Now. We can't say we did it. <laughs> uh, 
So, yeah, I'm 13 now. I, I think I I think I said 11. I don't know. Maybe just two levels. No, nah, I think you were like a six or a seven. I think you know you're inflating your your stature in the Pokemon <laughs> game. But all right, so you're enjoying it. You any updates? Anything anything going on there? I want to be the first person to catch all 151, and I try to give you updates as that progresses. Please let me know, and I'd like to know if there is some kind of leaderboard. Are are there people up there with you know 100 caught at this point? I don't know. I'm definitely going to start looking into that, though, if there is a website for that. Okay. Well, if not, let's start it. Yeah, well, you should get on that. Right. Pokey, uh, Pokeleader. Pokeleader.com. There you go. Or .org. All right. Ready to get into this first story? Yes. So according to official data and interviews with farmers, packers, truckers, researchers, campaigners, and government officials, half of all U.S. F- uh, food produce is thrown away. Well, that's good. Half. Yes. It's because of the cult of perfection is what I'm understanding as I read these these articles and get into the story. Food waste. Well, listen to this stat mm-hmm. before I even get into this next thing. Five to 10% of people in the world don't have food or are hungry or are malnourished, whatever. Mm-hmm. 10% of the world, right? So that's, we're talking hundreds of millions of people. Uh, we're just throwing away half the food that we get in this country. Yes. Not to mention the land that you're wasting, mm-hmm. the water that you're wasting, the, resources. the mm-hmm. resources, the climate that you're damaging to produce all this stuff. Half it's going to waste. Food waste is also a, quote, farm-to-fork problem. Produce gets lost in, lost in fields, warehouses, packaging, distribution, supermarkets, restaurants, and fridges. Uh, and a third of all foodstuffs, or about 60 million tons worth, $160 billion, is wasted by retailers and consumers every year. Yes. Um, the main issue is the fact that the food industry is, like every other industry, it's for profit. Yeah. So if it doesn't fit into the criteria, which is going to have the max most profits, it's no good and gets thrown out. Well, the weird here's the thing about it though. It's it's imperfect produce is what mm-hmm. we're talking about is really like the main problem. Obviously, some of this other stuff where they're just you know le- losing fruit. I-, I guess that's probably something they could work on. But for the most part, they're leaving things in the field or they're leaving it or they're taking it right to the dump. I, ha- I have a quote that we're going to read in a second. Uh, it's because the produce is imperfect. Yes, there might be a blemish on it. Maybe it got wind bruised a little well it's, that's the quote. it's not a hundred percent you know yeah but that's a dumb that is a real dumb uh land of milk and honey problem in america where meanwhile though there are people starving in america <laughs> like you know that we probably could be able to get food to um but it's like people go to whole foods or whatever and they're like mm, that apple has a little i don't know it's got a little brown spot on it it's probably not good no it's fucking fine it's cut around that part mm-hmm. it's not bad This is the quote. This is Jay Johnson. He ships produce from North Carolina to Florida. It's all about blemish-free produce. What happens in our business today is that it is either perfect or it gets rejected. Uh, It is perfect to them or they turn it down and then you are stuck. All right. This is what's really crazy. The May harvest season in Florida found Johnson with 24,250 pounds of freshly harvested spaghetti squash. Perfect, Mm -hmm. except for brown scoring on the rind from high winds during a spring storm. So the, 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 you know, the outside of the squash got damaged 
by wind. Mm-hmm. It's not like the, the food tastes bad or anything like that. You don't eat the fucking rind. He goes, I've been offering it for six cents a pound for a week, and nobody pulled the trigger. I'm expecting an additional 250,000 pounds of squash similarly marked in two weeks. There is a lot of hunger and starvation in the United States, so how come I haven't been able to find a home for this six cents a pound food yet? Great question, Jay Johnson. Uh what what it comes down to is the fact that there is not uh, a system set up to use this less than perfect fruit. Well, and it's all right. You're right. That is an issue of why is nobody put it. You know, why is the government not working to put put something in place where we can mm-hmm. subsidize the travel of it? Because that's that's what you're saying before. It costs a lot because of money it, to transport this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And as you alluded to earlier, that. The farmers don't even bother paying somebody to pick the food because it's less than perfect because they know right off the bat that they're not going to make a profit off of it. Yeah, it's just a waste of time and energy. So this is a case where if you had charities or different organizations working with farmers and other providers and you throw the government into it for a tax write-off right you could kill three birds with one stone yeah but that's the problem i mean the pro- i hear you the problem with the charity thing is that they you know they're working on a limited budget as well there's yes. only so much you can do it has to be something that is subsidized i believe by the government or you get people like you know bill gates or bill clinton or whatever these these people that can have global impacts you're going to have to work with smaller organizations to have people even donate their time to go pick up food and do this and that because clearly if we're throwing away, you know, tons of food a year and especially I understand if it's, if it's gone bad or there's something wrong with it, whatever, there's nothing wrong with the food. It's just, it doesn't look, uh, perfect. And Mm -hmm. that, that's the problem. And I think that's also a cultural issue in the United States with, being over advertised to and having everything presented in this uh, like high gloss finish. When the reality is when you look at a a Burger King billboard, just for example, Mm -hmm. "Mm, that Whopper looks fat and juicy and ready to go. You're not going to get that. And then when you go to Burger King, you're like, Oh, this thing's all schmuck. You know, it tastes fine, but it's like, it's smushed. It doesn't (laughs) look like that. But why, why, why don't we throw that out then? You know, it's kind of the same idea, but we go to the supermarket and we see a a fucking apple that has a little brown thing on it. We're like, Nope. It's probably got cancer. It's no good. You can't eat it. Like, what? What is that about? But I think it has something to do with the the advertising and the hundred percent. It does. You know, absolutely. It's crazy. Um, if there was a way to advertise more social aspects in such a way, a lot more progress would be found. I think, to be honest with you. What? What do you mean? Well, if we spend as much time, if people spend as much time selling. The uh, like, as you mentioned, like the hamburgers, the Burger King, or the yep. food industry, as much as doing social aspects, like giving your time to find a place for this food. Oh, of sure, it, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. The advancement that would be made would be incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, again, it, it it's a uh, it's a profit margin thing. It's like we can make way more money, um, you know, by by advertising uh, the Burger King shit, or we can only sell the really pretty strawberries and fuck it. Like, let's just leave this stuff to rot in the field. There's no reason to, you know, waste our time on it because we're losing money that way. It's actually cheaper to just let the food go to waste than it is to figure out a solution to the problem. But that's bananas, you know? Well, also you have to keep in mind. No pun intended. I know we're talking about fruit and I (laughs) said bananas. You get it. Uh, 
Also, uh, what comes to my mind is, with this is the fact that you look at all the food stores and all that, all the produce that's on the shelves that, as you mentioned, might be a little bruised and they just leave it there. Yeah. How much of that food is getting thrown out? Oh, well, that that's what they're talking about. I mean, this factors into that number. Yeah, you know, I'll go over to, you know, Whole Foods or Fairway or whatever it is, um, you know, like later in the day on a Sunday. And stuff has moved around, obviously, because a lot of people are going food shopping and doing this and that. Um, and you'll notice that people will not buy something because it's like out of place a little bit or like, oh, maybe one of the bags ripped open. So there's some stuff that people won't buy that, mm -hmm. but it's the same food. I mean, it's literally, there's nothing wrong with it. It's the same food that was there before. It's just kind of bustled around because a lot of people were touching it. You yep. know, it's like, so yeah, I mean, it's certainly a, a thing to pay attention to. I, that's why I wanted to bring it up. It's startling to say that we throw in half of the food that we're producing, the produce, um, yeah, there's people fucking start. That's always the thing. It was like, there's a starving kid in China. You finish your dinner, but like, no, there's a starving kid in China. F eat the f eat that fruit or f help people get this that aren't eating. There's there's people starving down the street. You know, see the. I feel the best solution to this problem would be you. You would have to figure out how far you want to ship the food. Yeah, because there's a cost in that. So maybe you try to make it more of a regional thing. Well, well, absolutely, for sure. Well, we're doing do it, it with, but we're doing it with places like Whole Foods and Fairway, where it's like locally sourced. Like these tomatoes yeah. were grown in Brooklyn. Okay, so if we can get the locally sourced tomato from Brooklyn to the Upper East Side, we can figure out how to get the, you know, the slightly uh, bruised peach to the homeless guy uh, down the street. Like the, you can, you, there's a way to do this. So anyway, I want to put that out there. But that that's that's like a. That's a disturbing statistic to look at. It's it's very yeah, it it's very telling about the way that we operate. Uh, you know. Well, I, let let this be the last word because we got we got a ton of shit, Joey. All right. It, there was just one thing that I read was that the Obama Obama administration uh, had pledged to the UN that they wanted to have the avoidable food waste by 2030. Okay. <laughs> Why would it take? 14 years to cut it in half. Meanwhile, that's, you know, that's a quarter then. We're still wasting a quarter of all the yes, food that we produce. That's a great point. And I, we, we happen to have a culture that likes to put unrealistic timetable events too far into the future. Yes. So it's like we don't have to deal with it when it's a present moment. This is a current issue that's been around for a long time oh, yeah. that we've made no progress with. But by 2030, mm -hmm. we can do it. Right. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm Obama used to use the phrase the fierce urgency of now, which I think he might have taken from Martin Luther King or whatever. But like, this should be one of those situations where the fierce urgency of now, you know, is applicable. You're absolutely right. What, you know, if you don't put your feet to the fire and go, we're going to get this done in three years. Like, that's what we're shooting to do. You're going to give yourself 14 years. You're not even going to be in office anymore. God knows. It's going to be, even if Hillary gets eight years in office, that's still another six years of a, a republic. It's never going to get done. What are you? That's no, not going to get done. Kooky. Uh, all right. So anyway, putting that out there. Now, this, the 9-11 report that we've been talking about, the 28 pages that potentially implicated Saudi Arabia. You know, which, yeah, good. Which, by the way, I believe we had mentioned this early on another podcast about the uh, uh, some of the information coming oh, out. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we had people that had seen the reports, I guess, or whatever. There was some speculation about yes, what was coming okay. out. I'm not going to get into it too deeply, and you'll know why in a second. But you know, if you, this stuff is readily readily available, that's you know, it's a. 
again, 28 pages. You can go read it if you want. I, mm-hmm. I, I skimmed through it. Um, the 28 pages came out. Well, I might as well read what I wrote. I wrote it in a fancy way. 28 pages of the 2002 9-11 report that were classified by then-President George W. Bush have finally been released as of last Friday evening. Another classic Barack Obama news dump. Uh, it's like 5.30 on Friday they released the... Uh, they released the pages. The report details circumstantial evidence mm. of ties between Saudi government officials, intelligence, intelligence agents, and several hijackers, though there is no smoking gun per se. Uh, oh, you've taken your gun. Joey's been sitting here wearing sunglasses the entire time. Now he's, he's ordained to take them off and now look at me in the eye. Yeah. You got something to say? I, about Saudi I just, it's unbelievable. It's What is? Well... That even though they had released it, so much of it's still redacted. Yeah, a lot of na- Well, yeah, I mean, uh, is that security reasons? Yeah, protocol? it's probably. Pe- or do you think it's that they don't want the shit to hit the fan? No, it's probably still people that are like in the uh, you know in the intelligence agencies in America and whatever, or people who are still diplomat. You know, there's reasons why they do that. That's fine. Um, no smoking gun. It appears as though. And the report goes out of its way to say, like, we're not investigating this. We're just saying this seems suspicious. But, like, it's not our job to, like, look into it. If you want to open an investigation, go for it. Go for it. God, what the hell's his name? Bandar bin Sultan, who's, like, the guy in Saudi Arabia, who was a former diplomat to the United States that was so close to the Bush family that they called him Bandar Bush. Yeah, that's right. So he comes up in there, and apparently he has some connection to potentially some, like, a company... um, where one of the the 9-11 hijackers had been or his phone number's involved or something. So there's stuff in there, but there's nothing, there's no definitive link. But I, I think it's fair to say that the Saudis were not, uh, you know, their hands are not completely clean in, in 9-11. And I think there was certainly stuff that could have been done prior to 9-11 because of our relationship that, you know, maybe could have derailed this or done something to intercept some of these messages, whatever. But there's nothing, there's nothing saying, yes, Saudi Arabian officials absolutely funded the terror. There's no link there necessarily. Also, I, I, I feel they've done a good enough job to have the information come out so far removed from 9-11 that a lot of people will just glaze over right now. Yeah, it's too, of course. Well, that's, that's the whole idea of doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's, mm. you know, and then again, then they release it on Friday night yeah. of the, you know, of the weekend with the convention and then all this news that we're about to get into hits. It's like, it's, it's lost in the shuffle. Nobody yes, really it is. Attention to that. Uh, so anyways, that's the nine 11 report that uh, the 28 pages are officially released. Feel free to check them out. Uh, you know, it's not an exciting read, but you can get through it. There's the thing that's interesting about it is that there are names. I mean, there's people. Yes. Boyami is one of the names, which I think we mentioned when we covered it the first time, uh, Bandar Bush, like I said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can kind of do your own, connecting of the dots there again nothing directly point a to b yes the saudis had had this to do 9-11 but clearly saudi arabia played a role in shaping the eventual Mm -hmm. terror the hijackers whatever and they they had peep somebody in saudi arabia had something to do with it but who it is i don't exactly know so yeah well also the other thing too that comes to my mind is uh the one of the people involved would be the defense ministry of Saudi Arabia. Allegedly. Not, or allegedly. Whatever. There's no, yes. you know. So the question is, as we asked before, is this more of, of one person being radical or is it the entire system? 
But sure. I, I guess there's really no way of looking, you know, of finding the truth out on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think you can look. The thing with Saudi Arabia is, you know, they're they're a, uh, an ally of the United States in the Middle East, one of the few that we have, like ones that are actually, you know, our ally. Um, they have their own way of doing things. They are a brutal regime, human rights violators. They hang people. They do the same shit that ISIS does. You know, they behead people. They they have a lot of bad human rights abuses. But they're friendly towards us, so we're yes. okay with a lot of the shit that they do. I think it's pretty clear that it's a very uh, brutal regime there, and it wouldn't shock me if, you know, they use their own form of terrorism to fight other countries in the Middle East. I mean, I think there's evidence of that. I'm not mm-hmm. just making that up. And so, yeah, so I, I could see why that would probably cross over into some people there hate uh, America and they want to do some damage that way. So, you know... I, I, it's not. Sh- it would, I would not be shocked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it is what it is. We don't have to get further into it. But you know what I mean? Gotcha. All right. So now this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. In order of occurrence or chronological order, as some people might call it, the three big stories that took place over the weekend, these were three breaking news events that uh, I didn't have a ton to do this weekend. So I was watching, you know, the MSNBC following the stuff. I got to say, real breaking news is gripping to me. I like to watch it. Mm -hmm. It's fun. I know they keep repeating the same shit over and over (laughs) again. It's not fun what happens, but I, the breaking news aspect of it and the, oh, we just got this in. We got our special report. You know, Mm -hmm. it's exciting. So I watched it and there was a few serious things that happened over the weekend. The first of which was the Bastille Day attack in Nice, France. Yes. For the third time in 18 months, France has been hit by an act of terrible violence. Last Thursday, 84 people were killed and many more injured when 31-year-old Mohamed Bilal, an area local and French Tunisian, decided to drive a cargo truck onto the crowded promenade, mowing down anyone in his path, zigzagging at high speeds for over a mile before being shot to death by police. Uh, The attacker, Mohamed Bilal, had a history of threats, violence, and petty theft, but was totally unknown to French anti-terror officials. ISIS did claim responsibility, but, you know, we've repeated it a million times with this stuff. Just because ISIS says, yeah, he was one of ours doesn't, doesn't mean anything. necessarily mean anything. Does it mean that they provided him any financial support or on the ground tactical? Tra- no, there's no, you know, and there's no real evidence of that. French President Francois Hollande extended, this is interesting too, because this is something we talked about a little while ago. French President Francois Hollande extended state of emergency. Mm-hmm. By three more months, it's already been nine months since the uh, the Bataclan attack, and they yes. were already on high alert after the Charlie Hebdo stuff. So it's been nine months. They've extended it now three, so that's going to be a year of uh, emergency, state of emergency powers, warrantless entry for police, different things like that, and erodes privacy concerns. Uh, he also called for, quote, absolute determination and flawless vigilance in wake of yet another attack which I got to be honest with you, flawless vigilance is going to be an impossibility because this animal came out of nowhere. Yes. Also, to me, that sounds more of a soundbite than anything else. And what do you say? I mean, it is. Good. You're going to keep going? Well, yeah. I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I, I kind of think it takes away from the work that needs to be done when you use such language. It yeah. sounds great, sounds fancy. That's exactly what you want to do. Right. But uh, something is lost. I, I agree. Well, first of all, 
look, like I said, third time in 18 months. And it's not like these are minor incidents where one or two people get killed. I mean, these are like mass casualty events, which is very un... Um, I don't know why I lost the word. It's not something that happens often mm-hmm. in Western society. Now, granted, it happens all over the world. Baghdad, people are getting blown up all the time. People in the Middle East are getting killed every day. I mean, really every day. Um, but this is not a common occurrence here. What do you say if you're the president of France? There is only so much you can do. Like we've talked about. Yes. Are you going to invade the Middle East? Fine. Maybe that's what you do because that's where ISIS technically is headquartered and, and all that stuff. But these people are not coming from the Middle East. This is the same argument we keep having over yes. and over again. This is a French citizen. Uh, for years, he's been there. And all the other attackers came from Europe. Mm-hmm. There's no evidence that they're coming from ISIS. Um, so what do you do? But it, you're right. It is a soundbite. Flawless vigilance. Like, yeah. that's you, the, you, you're not going to be able to do anything about that. Um, see, I think in this clay, uh, in this case, um, what needed to happen was um, there has to be a call upon everyday citizens to say what's going on. It was see something, say something. Type yes, of thing, yeah. because okay, it's Bastille Day. It's a national holiday. I get that, but when a truck of that size gets to a spot on this beach where it normally would have not been, right? Maybe someone should have saw it, or well, yes, I understand. Uh, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, uh, good. But then again, I I guess it's tough because there was reports that a few people kind of had a sense that something was wrong, and a few people were screaming, "It's a terrorist attack!" But at that moment, I don't know if if the common person is gonna jump to that conclusion right off the bat no and that it's not a runaway truck maybe someone had a stroke well it's a celebration it's it's their independence day essentially it's the same thing that we celebrate on july 4th so there's fireworks there's different things going off so you can easily in your head you might look and be like oh that's weird that truck doesn't seem like it fits here but uh, maybe it's carrying firework or whatever like you can easily write it off and that's what we talked about last week i just had that anecdotal thing about being in the airport where it's like ah just gary going through the, uh, the alarm door yeah it's the same thing most people are not going to assume and I guess it's a double-edged sword, but it's probably better that people don't have the the worst um, uh, vision of what's going on in the world. When they see something that maybe seems a little weird, their first impulse is not to jump to, oh, somebody's going to probably try to kill all of us right now, you know? Um, yeah, but you're right. What, what do you do about the lone wolf? Especially, well, that's what we're seeing over yeah. and over again. That's the problem. Uh, and this is also something that we've s- spoken about on the podcast. For Like... I think the common thought about fighting terrorism in the United States and really what we've exported globally is all out war. We got to take it to the enemy. We have to mm-hmm. go on the offensive. The real thing though, something that would have stopped this Joey mm-hmm. is police work, which is what we talked about. This is not a case for tanks and army vehicles and all that stuff because the civilians that are there are going to get w- killed mm-hmm. in the, in the crisis. It's police work. Somebody was, maybe this guy's on their radar because, oh, he's had, and I have some quotes here, he's been abusive to his girlfriend or he's he's flipped one off the handle or he's been arrested a number of times, which this guy has. Now, all of a sudden, he's renting a, a, a cargo truck. Why? What's that about? Now, if you're staying on top of him and you're doing detective work instead of war work or you know whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, maybe you do stop him before it happens. And somebody does notice that. Possibly it's not a, an average citizen, but it is. It's a, a police officer or whatever, somebody that's staying on it. But that's the thing, man. A lot of this shit is going to be stopped by policing, not by military. 
Yes, but I th believe it's a very slippery slope in this case because, as we've mentioned, that the president did declare the state of emergency with the lax. Yeah, but that's but that's for police. Yes, but that should have helped them in this case to catch him then with a the truck. But I, I, I guess there's too much going on to look at every person who rents a truck. Yes, and I mean, and that's what that's why he comes back to flawless vigilance. Well, good luck with having flawless vigilance because. Like we said, there's, there can be human error and just human nature. Things are going to fall through the cracks, and, and, and the one day that you're not really paying attention to it or whatever, the couple days you're not paying attention to it, this son of a bitch drives down the promenade and, and kills a bunch of women and children and, and people just on vacation. It's a reality, and I think, I think we're doing a disservice. And again, I think a lot of this is the United States set the, the narrative after 9-11 mm -hmm that this stuff is preventable always. It's not. It's highly unlikely. It's less likely and less common here and in, quote, civilized democracies and, and Western culture. But this shit happens all the time around the world. And we're, we're being silly. And again, I think it, it really it goes into the, just the kind of mindset that we have about the entire world that we're somehow separate from it. And it's like, well, that's that problem. That's the rest of the world problem. No, but we're all part of the world. Yes. And just because we're not getting hit with this stuff constantly doesn't mean that we're immune from, from it. it. That's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it's a complicated situation. It's a reminder that there are actually people trying to do fucked up things. Um, it's not to say there isn't a threat, but I think the response to it and the approach to it by going over into the Middle East and, and dropping bombs there. I don't really see how that is going to stop this from happening. So why is that the main strategy? You know, like, why is that always what everybody's calling for? When in reality, it's it could be this idiot who gets a truck and goes and runs people over, which as a plan is, in, is an extremely easy thing to plan out. It requires one person, really. Mm -hmm. He's got to get a, a, a truck. Yeah. And he has to have the balls or whatever you want to call it, the 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 craziness to go do it. And he did. So that's actually a perfect plan and something that can be replicated. So that's the type of shit you got to pay paying attention to. It's not going to stop by dropping bombs on people in uh, no, it's not. You know, Fallujah. Um, why do you think it's France? Do you, do you feel that because of the way the political climate over there is and that they're more democratic with more concentrations of certain individuals? Or anything in particular about France, you think? Well, because France yeah. is being hit hard the last 18 months. Yes. Well, let's look at it this way. I think France is easy to get to physically. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to, if you are coming from the Middle East or whatever, you're in other parts, you can get there easier than you can get to the United States, frankly. Um, also, yeah, France has a bit of a... It, France has the biggest Muslim population outside of the Middle East, I believe. That's the country that a lot of Muslims have immigrated to, whatever. Um, so you're more likely to get people if they're inspired by ISIS or whatever, that there's a bigger concentration of people that might be radicalized in that place. Mm -hmm. France has also been pretty uh, hard on the freedom of people to wear the hijab, the 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 headscarf mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So they've they've kind of cracked down on that. So I think you've alienated a percentage of the Muslim population there, even if they're not trying to do anything or they're not radical, or whatever. Yes. Um, you know, and then you look at the Charlie Hebdo stuff where they're they're they went know, out of the way making fun case. of Muhammad and whatever. Yeah. Which good for you. Yeah, I have absolutely no problem with that. This is a you know this is a free country, man. Like mm -hmm. go for it. 
I'm not saying they shouldn't have done that, but I'm saying I think that, you know, obviously could be considered a factor. Um, and then who knows? I mean, maybe they, maybe they're just not doing as good a job trying to pay attention to this stuff. I don't know. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's a strange situation, but let's see what happens. I mean, I, obviously if you get the Charlie Hebdo thing, then you get the Bataclan thing. Now this happens. Something is going to change in France, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, whether it's, they're going to change who the president is. They're going to change the way that they go about this. They're going to blame the president on these individual wolves though. I, I, yeah, but I, but but you would understand why they would. Yes, I agree. I mean, it's do you think he's the one that's setting out specific policy about how to catch these people? No, of course not. It's his job to like have the proper rhetoric out there and talk about the problem in the, in the correct way and frame the argument. But then you also like you asked why is it France? Whatever. You also have people like Marine Le Pen, who we've talked about. It's like the far, you know, front national or whatever. They're mm-hmm. like the far right party. And they they are constantly coming out being like, we need to have a fight against radical Islam and like blah, 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 like a war. They're, they're similar to what is on the extreme right in this country where they're talking about radical Islam and blah, 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 you know. So there's this type of like rhetoric going on there. And I think it feeds into it aside from the fact that there are just going to be people that want to do damage and that's a place where they found they could. See, because the only way you could stop it too, I'm thinking is it's more than just the everyday citizen then. Then it's to like... To stop the terrorist attack? Yes. Because it, it would have to be a case where you would have to be in the environment and kind of think like the, inv- the individual to see w- what somebody's actually up to. Yeah, then. like a police officer, right. I mean, it's the same stuff that we're talking about here with like... with you know, all these shootings of black people and, you know, yeah, part of the problem is that the people that are policing those communities don't come from those communities. Same thing. When we go into another country uh, as the United States and we go and attack them, um, well, Jesus, why can't we set up a, a democracy there? Why can't, why won't they listen to us? Because we're not them. They, they yes. don't know who the fuck we are. We're this weirdo invading country. Same idea. You know, the, the way to stop stuff like this is to is to get people that are similar to the, even the people that are doing the attacks or people that are local to the area that are going to know who's there and they can spot things way easier than somebody that's coming in blind and really doesn't yeah. know what the situation on the ground is. You know? That's true. Um... I have a couple of quotes here. I'm going to wrap up with this. I was going to, you know, the other thing I was going to say, we're we're calling it a terror. It is certainly a terror attack. But again, no clear connection between this guy and ISIS, you know, which, which I want to make very clear. I'm not, that's why I'm almost loathe to say terrorist attack. I, I, if you notice, I use the phrase like terrible violence, like it is terrible violence, but to call it terrorism, I think denotes or connotes whatever that, this had something to do with a terrorist group, but that's not really what it is. This is just a domestic, this is a domestic terrorist. Yes. You know, it's somebody that is from France and acted out. We'll figure out why, but mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think ISIS had anything to do with it. Uh, Bilal's neighbor said she was quote, really scared of him. Quote, all I knew is that he had trouble with his wife, but we never saw her or their kids. He spent a lot of time at a bar down the street where he gambled and drank. Okay. Uh, Rabab Balal, who's Muhammad's sister, the, the guy that drove the truck, this is mm-hmm. his sister. She goes, he was temperamental and aggressive. See, this is always the thing. It's like, they're always temperamental and aggressive. Yeah, I was Chris, drinking. That's he beat not the wife. a crime. I agree, but it is if it goes to the point where you smack your wife and the police get called, they're going to write your name down. Okay, okay. They write your name down. Yeah. Then what? How do you prevent it from happening? Well, 
my point being, if if he's local to the area, which he was, yes. So he's local to the area. Mm-hmm. So if he's in that area when he's hitting his wife and the cops get called, the mm-hmm. local area police are going to know who this person is. Yes. So when he goes and gets a truck or does whatever, you, it's more likely that somebody's going to notice that he's up to something than if he he's not. You understand? Know so like the, the only policing w- is what's crucial to this whole thing. So then this is an issue where you would have to change the way policing is done. And yes. in most cases, the resources would have to change as well. For sure. Yeah. Why don't you stop arresting people for petty? Well, again, I mean, now again, I try to put it into the United States context. I don't live in France. So I don't <laughs> really understand how it works, but yeah. Why don't we stop arresting people for minor drug offenses, marijuana, even whatever. Okay. I mean, okay. But marijuana, let's yes. start there. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop with the broken windows policing and all the shit where you're just harassing, uh, you know, low income people. And yeah, redirect that towards people that might actually be doing something dangerous where where they're building a bomb or plotting something. Mm-hmm. Fine. Now, do I know exactly how to do that? No, I don't. But I think that there's a way to do it. And you got to get people that know what they're talking about to, to figure that out. Rabab Bilal, the sister says... He was temperamental and aggressive. My brother did not drink alcohol or smoke cigarettes, which <laughs> directly contrasts with the neighbor said where he's always gambling and drinking, but okay. Yep. Uh, but he also did not pray and never entered a mosque in his life. He was just not stable psychologically and mentally. His wife and her mother both complained about his violent behavior towards her. All right. So again, there's a pattern here with this guy. And, you know, I don't know if there's something else that could have been done, but to me, Policing is something that, that really needs to be looked at. Yeah, but if you lock up everyone who has temperamental issues, I'm not saying lock up. Every, I'm not saying people. lock up everybody that's temperamental issues. I'm saying if you beat your wife and the cops get called, get arrested. You have a record now. So maybe you try to find a way to keep tabs on that person or anything. But I'm just saying, you know, you don't violate the rights, whatever. But if somebody's getting arrested for hitting their wife and everybody's scared of him, he's temperamental, he's doing this, he's doing that, he should be on the radar at least a little bit. There was no way to implement a system where you would catch that individual while respecting the rights and you know rights of everybody else. Is yeah, I mean it's a well that's the pre- and then that goes back to what I was saying. It's we're living in a fantasy world if we think that we're going to stop all of these. Yes, I'm not. That's it's very easy to look back and go, oh maybe if they did this and this, yes. I'm not. Maybe there was no way to stop this. I freely understand that and I fully ad- admit that. That doesn't bother me, I think, the way that it bothers maybe the, a majority of people that, yeah, random acts of violence do happen. We just get to live in this little bubble where it doesn't happen to us all the time, but they can certainly happen. Yes. I want to wrap up with this quote because mm-hmm. I think it's uh, well said by a Frenchman, and I think it is kind of sums up sums up the the event. Yes. Emeric uh, Kerry, who's a gift shop owner in France, if he's just a nobody motivated by his hatred, who are we to blame? Who are we to fear? No one, everyone. If this is Daesh, which is the another way of saying ISIS, uh, at least we know. If this is a binational who hates us, are we supposed to fear them all? That would be preposterous. <laughs> I yes. like that. I like the way the guy from, right. What do you do if it is just a random act of violence, which it seems that way? It's just this guy that decided to act. He's not ISIS. So what what do you do? You have to cultivate a climate and culture where that is not the case. Ding, right. It's a it's absolutely it's fostering a culture of we're all in this thing together. No, yeah, you believe what you want to believe, that's fine. 
we can all get along. You know, don't don't be don't be outside of the society. Join us. It's fine. And maybe part of that, Joey, this is like the dirty thing that nobody wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. Maybe part of that is being like, yeah, this is a religion thing. Like, it's not helping everybody. Like, if it's your own thing, fine. But let's take it easy. Like, it's not real. Let's foster that around the world. Maybe that would help. No? I don't think that's the case. Well, it would. Um, you don't think it'd be the case? You don't think some of this stuff would be the the us versus them mentality or the isolating because you have certain beliefs and I'm not accepted in society? France is a pretty uh liberal in the yes. classical sense society they have uh free a lot of freedom of speech obviously with the charlie Hebdo stuff they 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 promote that type of thing so that's another reason why that would clash with somebody that has a radical ideology you're gonna feel out of place there um naturally because you're you're living by a certain set of guidelines that are saying don't do this don't do that don't drink don't smoke go to the mosque do all this stuff mm-hmm. now it doesn't have to be mosque it can be church whatever but if you're living in a society where they're drinking and smoking and they're, yeah, fucking say what we want and we curse and we do it, you know, that this like, that's part, that's also part of it. I mean, that's a, that's a clash of ideologies. And I got to say, that's the right ideology. The less religion, the more secular, the more, fuck it. Let's like, let's have fun. Like, we're only here for a short amount of time. Let's enjoy ourselves. That's everything. Let's not take all this stuff too seriously. That's the right way to live, period. That's the right way to live. So that's going to clash, though, with a lot of cultures that are not that way. That's only an opinion. That is it's not my fact. opinion. It's I'm your opinion. Saying, yeah, of course. And I believe, in my heart of hearts, at the end of the day, that religion helps more people get through the day than it does uh, have a negative aspect. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. Um you know, that's also your opinion. I yes. don't know. We, we don't have any facts on that. Here's another opinion. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. This raspberry pink lemonade, uh, limited edition summer polar seltzer. <laughs> Terrific. I'm Nicely really enjoying done. it. Um, I'm going to have a sip of it. Why, why don't you talk? I don't know. Talk, talk to the people for a second. Oh, wow. Because you, you're doing this to me. Uh, let's talk about Kim Kanye and uh, Swift. God damn it, you son of a bitch. All right, okay. uh, listen, I, I mentioned it before the podcast, I know, and, I and said, you put me on the spot, and, I said, and now I'm going to put you okay, on the spot. All right. And I said, Johnny grabbed the mic immediately. He's like, yes, I'm in on this. Hold on. I just uh, want to say thank you for getting that product placement in for oh, Polar Seltzer. Uh, absolutely. Yes, I, lo- I love yeah, Polar you. Seltzer. It's not bullshit. I mean, they don't pay me to say this, obviously. I'd love <laughs> if they did, but I, I truly love Polar Seltzer. You can vouch. I mean, Hannah's here every day. It's great. We, here. Don't, you know, we don't get paid at all to say it, and it's, it's just genuinely, it's a great drink, and... It's okay that they don't pay us. We're just happy to endorse it. I, nice. I, I, I no doubt about it. I would gladly uh, promote this product. I, I fully stand behind it. The Taylor Swift, Kanye West, Kim Kardashian thing. I got to be honest. I didn't pay a hell of a lot of attention mm-hmm. to this week. As I understand it, Kim Kardashian. Something happened with Taylor Swift. Maybe tweeted something, and then Kim Kardashian about Kanye's line where he's like. Me and Taylor might still have sex, whatever. I made that bitch famous. Like, I guess that song came out. Something happened about, you know, there was some kind of controversy out there about that. Okay. Um, And then Kim Kardashian, like, released video of Kanye on the phone with Taylor telling her that that was going to be a lyric. And she was <laughs> like, yeah, go for it. And now, and then once the song came out, then it was like a whole big uproar. And she, like, made it seem like she didn't say that. I don't really know, though. I honestly didn't pay attention. Okay. Whatever happened, I'm sure Kanye and Kim are right. Uh, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, okay, I'm sorry to the 
listener, I forget your name. I apologize. Who commented on the SoundCloud? Yes, I do bring up Kim Kardashian. I've brought up Kim Kardashian a lot more recently. Yes, Joey brought it up today. I wasn't going to bring her up, but yeah, don't don't put Joey on the spot all the time. Yeah, listen, well, I, Big Papa needs to drink his polar seltz. I feel that this is just uh, Wigamaroo's what to sell a albums. to sell albums. I don't. So, you know, people are not happy with the album sales. Nah. And let's let's create a fake controversy and sell those albums. I, I don't. Ag- here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The amount of like pre-production that it takes to set up this type of controversy. There's no reason to do that. Kanye's albums are selling great. Taylor Swift is like the biggest superstar ever. Excuse me, selling artist of all time. Uh, Kim, God knows, is doing fine. Like, why would they need to? I would understand if it was like Raven Simone doing it or like somebody that's not selling any shit or whatever. Like, and then she's on to... the view or something. Okay, but you, you understand. I was just picking a random celebrity. You can okay. pick anybody. I'm just saying, you know, Homer Simpson's trying to sell albums. <laughs> you, you, he, you know, then fine. Okay, then maybe it's some random person that's trying to stir it up. But do those three fucking need more attention? Do they no. need more? Okay, so I, I disagree with that. Okay. But I, I got to be honest, I really haven't paid too much attention to it. I've been b- busy this week. There's a lot going on, so it is what it is. Um, we got a, got some more stuff here. So yes. now, this is the second of third breaking news stories that took place over the weekend. Mm-hmm. It's the turkey coup, uh, which we're going to get into in a minute. Uh, then we have the Baton Rouge shooting, the GOP convention, and the 2016 update. That's how we're going to do this thing. Yes. All right. Now, the turkey coup, coup attempt, was very interesting. It was exciting. It came on TV on Friday night. Certain elements of the Turkish military, while President Recep Erdogan was on vacation, staged a coup. He was he was uh, somewhere in the Black Sea or whatever. He was away. And then the military decided, you know what? This might be our spot to take over Turkey. So, so in this case, I'm feeling that there was a memo that was sent out and like, I'm, I'm just going to mix around numbers, but like 100 people got this memo. I feel like only 10 people acted. No, 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 no. Six thousand people so far have been held in re- in relation to the coup. Like people are being arrested a-, a lot in Turkey right now. Yeah, but if you're going to stage a coup, don't you need a little bit more people? Well, you need to control the military. Well, here I'm going to get into it. So okay, here, here's okay. what happened. So Erdogan was rumored to be flying to Germany and later London after initially being denied access to a landing strip in Istanbul. He was seeking potential asylum in Germany. They said no, supposedly. Then he went to London. They said no. And then he had to find a way to get back to Turkey because he was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to get asylum anywhere else. What happened was the military tried to take over a certain Mm -hmm. element within the military. And now we're seeing it's like 6,000 people. So it's a pretty good amount. A bunch of generals got together to say, let's do this. Right. So, and we'll get into kind of like how, who Erdogan is blaming for it and some of the potential other stuff. We're not going to get too crazy into it, but it was just exciting to watch. So the, so they're showing live pictures from from Turkey that the, the there's tanks out there there's military people roaming the streets so they're trying to take over at one point Erdogan gets on the gets on um the the TV network which had also been taken over at that time the private broadcasting right yeah yes he gets on the phone and one of the anchors that's sitting at the desk on FaceTime and he's like put me towards the screen so they now the the president of Turkey is on FaceTime on TV. Trying to say, telling, oh, the, the president. The is. president, right, okay. Erdogan. And so he's saying to people, go to the airport. Get them out of there. Tell them, you you know, to let me land or whatever he said to them. All my supporters go to the airport. So now this is at like three in the morning. Uh-huh. By four or five in the morning, we're talking thousands, tens of thousands of people are going to the airport. What? You seem confused. What's the matter? Uh, I, I just... 
Well, let, let me fin- let me just finish. Okay, I'm, I'm just gonna guy. put it out there. You ready? Yeah, I'm gonna wind up and throw it. Is w- does one person make that much of a difference? What do you mean one per like one of the people like the citizens? No, no, the the president leaving. Yeah, the generals going. Yeah, we're, we're gonna cue this. Yes, we're gonna cue this right now. Yes, because if you don't let them back in the country, they're they're sitting in the seat. Of, yeah, because they're the military. If our military uh-huh. decided to try to take over the government, it'd be close. I think. Right? It'd be po- a certain if a certain percentage of the U.S. military decided when Obama goes to Mexico we're gonna or whatever, we're going to try to take over. Yeah, the, that's the time to do it. You wouldn't want it with the president in the White House and all that stuff. That's you, a good you point. Give it a shot. Okay. So later, early on Saturday morning, Erdogan addressed a crowd at Istanbul at a uh, Ataturk airport after finally landing back on Turkish soil. And I have his quote. But again, these people showed up at the airport, thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of people. And so the military just had to stand down because they weren't going to murder 10,000 people. Finally, Erdogan got to land there and then he gave a, a, a speech. He called the uprising, quote, an act of treason and that those responsible would pay, quote, a heavy price. Uh, executions, wink, wink. Uh, those who stain the military's reputation must leave. The process has started today and it will continue just as we fight other terrorist groups. We march in our funeral sh- funeral shrouds and we will deal with these assassins, this cult, these followers of Fetula. Now, who is he talking about? Well, some guy in Pennsylvania. Yes, Erdogan <laughs> has blamed the uprising on cleric Fetula Gulen, as I think you pronounce it, who lives in exile in Pennsylvania, which is bizarre. South exile, though. That's... Yes, he's exiled himself. To, yes. Yeah, but meaning he, I don't want to get murdered, so I'm going to move to Pennsylvania. <laughs> Gulen has denied responsibility in the coup, but it's just a wild thing that happened to watch. It was all done in probably six, seven hours, but. Now you got to keep your eye on fucking Turkey because all these people that they're accusing of the coup, they're going to get ruined. I mean, yes. it's going to be, you know, he's really going to clinch, cl- clamp down at this point. It's the social re- suicide in a way. Be- well, it, well, it was. It, it, was it was coup or bust. Absolutely. Yes. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, I know. You like that as a title. Yeah, no, because it was either get control of the country or when Erdogan gets back, he's going to fucking murder all of us, of course. But that's the risk you take when you're running a coup, obviously. The reason why the United States would care about this, obviously, you know, other than unrest, is that Erdogan is supposedly supposed to be helping us fight ISIS, even though <laughs> it seems like a lot of the shit that we send him the military machinery and whatever he's using to kill the Kurds. So yeah. it's a whole other, you know, it's a whole other thing. Plus, we have 60 or so nuclear weapons in Turkey, hmm. which you don't necessarily want, uh, you know, a, the coup plotters to get control of our weapons. So anyway, oh, so wouldn't whole that thing. be some shit? Yeah. But it didn't happen, so that, that's what happened in Turkey. But that was an exciting incident, uh, i got to be honest. On some weird level, and I don't really mean this, but don't on some weird level. Don't say it. Don't say it. On some weird level. I don't want the audio what, out there. <laughs> what in you, 15 what you, years from God, now. Finish my sentence. What you think I, I, I don't know say? what it is, yeah. but, uh, but uh, just put Johnny, do me a favor and just put a mark right here. Yeah, we'll put a, put put a, a mark, mark right here. For my own good. For his own good. I'm not editing anything. This is standing. No, I know it is. Not a boy. That's right. That's correct. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I, I was going to say on some weird level, it's almost exciting to live in a country that could be taken over. You know what I mean? Like, like things aren't that <laughs> cemented that you can't entirely rule out a coup, but I feel like in the United States, we're sort of coup-proof. <laughs> coup proof That's a fun thing to say. I also realized that turkey coup and a turkey coop are also, they're, they're two different things, but they're spelled the same. Mm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Let's do the Baton Rouge shooting. We'll thank our sponsor, and then mm-hmm. we're going to get into the GOP and the 2016 update. How's that sound? It sounds fantastic. All right. Uh, did you watch anything about the coup, or is this kind of the first time you're 
Uh, I did. I was shocked, and I, I believe that the, there is a lot more going on with that story. I just feel because the media was in, controlled by the state at that point. Right. And there is a lot of investment in Turkey. I believe that a lot of the true story is being muffled out, but will eventually come to light. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, if, if it is a plan, I'm joking, obviously, about I want to live in a place that could have a coup. If you're living in a place like that, you know, there's probably going to be some controls on what gets out and what, you know, what be, information. Is because there. what I said earlier, I just don't feel that everyone got this memo because I just feel that this coup was happening. It was a poor, it was. And a, you don't half ass a coup. <laughs> no, you don't. It was a poorly plotted coup, coup no doubt about it. I mean, it, because cash the chips in when you know you're going to win the hand. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't. You're right. It was a half ass coup. And, and obviously. And the chips were not there. Well, because at one point. Where the, were the chips? I don't know. At one point, you're, you're watching the police arresting soldiers, throwing them into the back of the car, and now, and then now they're on the ground with their hands up like, oh, fuck, like we fucked up. It was pretty obvious that they didn't really you know, think it fully through. They gambled, like we'll keep the chip analogy going, they gambled on the fact that the citizenry was going to support the military takeover. Turns out they underestimated how many people actually supported Erdogan. A majority, and that's why he's still in power. Yes. So the people really did. It was a snap election. I forget who said it. I was watching maybe Richard Mangle. But it was a snap election, and Erdogan won that morning. Because <laughs> yeah. the people went to the airport. That was their vote. And they were like, no, let him fucking land. We want him to be the president. Yeah. Pretty pretty cool. Not cool. I mean, sad. A lot of people died. It's how, a crazy situation. How but. fucking insane is that, though, that it's Snapchat via television? Oh, and you get all the people out there. Very, very lucky. He's very lucky that he was able to FaceTime whoever that anchor was and get on TV. Yeah, absolutely. But people responded to him, which is even more impressive. Yeah. Um, all right. So the Baton Rouge shooting. Ah, Joey, it's just been a crazy uh, couple of weeks. On Sunday, former Marine Sergeant 29-year-old Gavin Long ambushed Baton Rouge police, killing three and wounding three more. Um, according to the New York Times, Long had posted videos in which he talked about violently fighting back against police brutality. Um, this guy had spent five years in the Marine Corps mm-hmm. and received an honorable discharge. Um, Long told friends and relatives he suffered from PTSD and had pre- prescriptions for Ativan, which is an anti-anxiety medication, amongst other things, Valium and uh, Lunesta, which is a sleep agent. Um, he wrote online under the... Uh, alter ego Cosmo Setapenra. Like mandatory Samson, I guess, is my alter ego. His is Cosmo Setapenra. Hmm. Uh, and I have a couple of his quotes here. Uh, writing online, he wrote, violence is not the answer, Presley's, it is a answer. But at what point do you stand up so that you and your people don't become the Native Americans? Extinct. Just because you wake up every morning doesn't mean that you're living. And just because you shed your physical body doesn't mean that you're dead. Okay, so it's not necessarily like you can read anything into, you know, I mean, it well, is what it is when he's writing well, there. But. I, I also have that second quote. I kind of wish you... Which one? That just because you wake up every morning? Yes, and I feel that we should have uh, had that by itself because oh. I think that's very telling of his thought process. Uh, yeah, it can, that's, a, again, in retrospect, you look at the stuff and you go, oh, you say, but if I wrote that tomorrow... yes you wouldn't think that I was going to go do anything crazy. It's that's a common ideology, but when you put it in the wrong person's head, the idea of like, 
get busy living or get busy dying. That's in a movie. It's a famous quote. That's essentially what he's saying. And he's also saying, well, you know, just because you, the body is, is it fades away. doesn't mean the soul dies. Mm-hmm. It's really all he's saying. But yeah, when you put it in the context of like, oh, he's going to go murder police and probably get killed in the offing. Like, yeah, yeah. Then it's, it becomes this really ominous thing. The one above it where he says violence is not always the answer. It is an answer. Um, you know, we got to do something about this. Yes. And then, okay. Then you start to worry a little bit or whatever. It maybe raises a red flag. Uh, he may have aligned himself. And this is what's interesting too, because what with all the black lives matter stuff and the police shooting on armed black men and, and whatever black people, um, the reaction immediately when a cop gets killed is, Oh, well, this must be retaliation. Well, the interesting thing here is that this guy, uh, may have aligned himself with a domestic terrorism group known as the sovereign citizen movement whose main belief is that the government and law enforcement hold no authority over people. They're sovereign citizens. That's why they do that. So this guy could have been part of or believing in the ideology of a, you know, an anti-government group that doesn't even recognize the police have any authority over him or he's just a kook and he acted, you know. Um, This is the first time I'm hearing of this group, but if you ask me, I feel that that... mm, group could become very uh problematic well militia groups are a bigger th- if you look at a lot you know a lot of statistics you look at the southern poverty law center the way that they you know look into this stuff white militia groups i mean and this guy wasn't white but i'm just saying the the militia groups actually i don't know if he was white or not do we know if gavin long is white i, I, I have no idea I, I never looked i just know is, is the name well anyway but white militia groups in this country are the biggest they deem them the biggest threat to our safety way more than Islamic mm-hmm. terrorism or any of this other stuff. Of course, these people that are heavily armed, the fucking ones that take over the, the, the wild, the compound. Reserve, yeah. That was lucky that they weren't trying to do something more sinister, you know? Um, yeah, of course these heavily armed anti-government groups. Yeah. I don't want them running around. Hmm. So yeah, I mean, again, he could he be involved with that? Yes, potentially. Could he actually hate the police and wanted it? Yeah, of course he could have done that too. All right, so now we have an individual who served this country. Yeah, well, that's the other thing that's getting lost in the shovel. The last two police shootings in Dallas and now in Baton Rouge. Veterans, veterans, people yes. that have been overseas. They've been involved. So what ha- What's happening there? Is it because they went there there was a problem, or did they have a problem? They went there, nobody noticed it, and then it got worse. You know, like, yes. what is going on? But obviously, two out of two now, former yes. military people. Not good. Also, uh, we have an individual that is posting things on YouTube, making yeah. statements, seem very a volatile individual. Absolutely, but this is what, exactly what we just talked about in France. What do you do, though? <laughs> Should there be... well? Let's be honest. At the end of the day, I feel that there are certain resources out there that can hit like keywords and yeah. But now things. you're getting into the privacy stuff. See, this is this is the thing. Like, it's very tricky stuff because it's things we talk about all the time. Excuse me, the Snowden revelations and all that stuff. We get we all get up in arms. We go, oh my god, they're tracking all this data. This is crazy. We can't. God damn it, Polar Seltzer. The you know, the, our privacy is being violated all the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tracking keywords. Okay, well, what is that going to do? That's going to violate all of our privacy. I'm not doing anything, so should I not be worried? No, I don't want them fucking looking at my shit. No matter who the, what they're going to do, do we have to live with the fact that sometimes this stuff is going to happen? It's a, it's a very tricky fucking balance. That's the issue. Yeah, but I feel there is no balance at the moment, and he... What do you mean there is no... Between what and what? Okay. Um, 
I don't feel that we have any resources that are being used to prevent malicious people that are posting things on Facebook and YouTube. And oh, okay, this. so you're there's certain if, cases yeah, of hate speech. Yeah, you're saying if there's social media uh, threats, yes. seemingly or whatever references to things, then that's something that that takes it to a sep- a separate level. Yes, and that yeah. should be maybe it is being investigated. Yeah, I don't know, but from the some of the YouTube postings I heard that he had inciting violence, oh, that sure, in yeah. itself is is an issue. Yes, but I but uh, I got to be honest that. You don't yell fire in a theater. No, I know, but it's a very, um, it's, th- th- that is a slippery slope where you're going to start being like, because you're limiting free speech. And it, I understand what you mean yelling fire in a crowded theater, but he's not in a crowded theater. He's in his house and he's online. And he's going by a pseudonym. He's going by Cosmo set of whatever, Penner or whatever the fuck <laughs> it is, not his actual name. So he could write that off as, it was satire. I wasn't really threatening that's the thing i mean and and i'm i'm more willing to forgive words and you know the borderline threats of course i'm not saying yeah you should be on there threatening cops or whatever but that's a totally different story than actually acting i hear what you're saying though it's incredibly difficult to to figure out what to do the other possibility is we can't really do anything take the guns away you know that could be an issue too Limit the amount of guns that people have. So even if they do want to go out and do something nutty and they're threatening people, they don't have the the resources to do it. I I don't feel that the, the, the this is a guns issue. Why not? Be- okay. Reason being is you had someone who served you mel- in the military right. who had guns training. Right. And I don't believe there was any protocol in system that would have prevented this from happening on that issue of guns. Meaning he would be able to have that gun and legally, yes. and there's no reason. Uh, to un- do it. Unless if you went into uh, health, you know, records and found out that maybe he was being seen for PTSD, which I can't. Yeah, you know, I don't know I, whether. I don't have... Well, he's obviously on medication. I mean, at a certain point, I think if you're taking, you know, anti-anxiety medication, you're taking Valium, you're taking sleep agents but maybe that should prescribe though so even still i think that maybe should prevent you from having a gun you can some of the side effects for lunesta is like waking up and not knowing where you are having no recollection of what you did so mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't have a gun if you need that to sleep then maybe you shouldn't have a gun i don't know i'm not saying that's definitely the case but i just mean if you're on this laundry list of medications and maybe you have a history of doing some fucked up thing like yeah yeah then maybe then okay then maybe you shouldn't have a gun but See, because, uh, again, with a lot of the events that have been happening, it, it's hard to, like, it, to me, it seems like it's just a perfect storm happening between, is it mental illness? Is it PTSD? Is it the drugs? Is it a religion? Oh, yeah. Is it this? Yeah. Is it that? Right. It, is it just an overwhelming sense of hatred? Yeah. Well, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it is. I think it is an overwhelming sense of something. I think... Rightly so. Not that the reaction to that feeling is violence. That's not the right way to go about it. But I do think that, and I've said it before, I think people are starting to wake up to the reality of what is going on in this country and globally. Um, It's all interconnected. And I think people are starting to understand, like, who's really in control of this thing? Shouldn't we be? Shouldn't we have more of a say in this? And there's a rejection of corrupt authority or the perception of corrupt authority. I'm not saying these cops that got killed are, are corrupt in any way. Oh, no, but I'm just no, saying. No, yeah, yeah. But it, but it's the reaction to an authority that seemingly has no accountability 
to the people that they're, you know, governing or, or whatever. I think, I think people are seeing that. But there has to be more at hand because the individual has to know that that is not the steps that can be taken to resolve the issue. Um, yeah, I mean, look, no, I, no way am I saying violence against the police certainly is the right way to go. Violence against protest. You, you know, we've talked about everything at length. I don't. Protesters should be able to protest, period. I'm not saying anything about that. I fully understand why Black Lives Matter exists, all that stuff. I don't want to see cops get killed. Sometimes, Joe, even though it's not the right thing and nobody's saying go kill anyone, the violent act, the random violent act by this guy or whatever, maybe that is unfortunately the only thing that's going to spark some kind of change. Now, I'm not saying that's that's good, but we know how people operate. It, if it's just a protest, you can write it off. If cops are getting gunned down the street and, and you know, potentially it's, it's just unarmed uh, black citizens getting killed, whatever, maybe that's the thing. You know, maybe that is what's going to make things change. We don't want that to be the case, but that is sometimes how human nature works. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's a Malcolm X quote. It's like sometimes you got to pick the gun up to be able to put the gun down, you know? I'm not I'm not advocating that. Don't twist my words at all. It's not what I'm saying. But I think that's I, it, it's good. Something will probably more likely be done now than ever before because of this type of stuff that's happening. And violence just leads to more violence. It can. It certainly can. Um the you know, and I think a lot of the laws that are going to be put in place now is going to be to protect police which I think is going to change the way the policing is done, probably for the worse, not necessarily making the relationship better. Um, But but, but even so, like you have a situation where you have somebody from Kansas go out to Louisiana, stake out, what, two, three days, and then perpetrate the act. Right. Well, and even that, people said they'd seen him in the area. Yeah, but that's not a crime. I know it's not a crime. Well, that's the 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 see yeah. because it's a cultural. We're dealing with a cultural issue. See, because at the end of the day, the only way to seem to avoid all this shit is to have the precogs yeah. from Minority Report that happen to know the future and go up. Oh, he's going to do it. Yeah. Well, so that, we send somebody there to prevent him. Right. Well, that's why the <laughs> that's why those movies are interesting. Why people like them and why they get written because you can see the steps. Like, you can clearly draw what's going on now. You can draw a line from what's happening here to X date in the future when that, what you're talking about, the precog thing, could happen. Yes. You can clearly see how we would get to a point where it's like, well, the only way to stop this is to get them before they start. Like, yes. You can hear somebody saying that. So you it, clearly that's where we could go. Um, th- again, the problem is thinking stuff or just saying stuff is not an action. Um, so, <laughs> you know, so, it's a very so, tricky thing. And that's also, I think that also ties up in the, 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 you know, the progressive liberal, whatever the social justice warriors where word policing, mm-hmm. th- that's already a phrase. Yes. What you're talking about, the precog shit, that's essentially word policing. It's just thought policing, but it's the same idea. Yeah. I can say whatever the fuck word I want. It's, it's literally just going to hurt your feelings, but it's not going to kill you. You can ignore me, but, but we've become extremely sensitive to that type of shit. So the argument then becomes, does the words become actions. Yeah, and who's to say? But that's what you're talking about. Well, we're not going to wait around and see. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's even, you know, but I certainly can understand how we would get to that point. I'm not uh, in favor of it, but I, I see. Well, I'm just glad that we're having a conversation about it because I feel oh, that yeah. enough isn't being said. 
No, for sure. Look, I mean, that's the whole po- point of why we're doing this. But then again, too, which, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the point of doing this. You, you know, like, the, because at a certain point, what are we going to do? I mean, we're talking about it. So hopefully people yeah. that listen can kind of get on the same page or disagree with us or whatever. But at least we're getting these ideas out into the universe. I, I feel like that's an important um, just thing generally. It's like if you, if you want something to happen or you want a change to happen or you want... You have to communicate it. Yeah, you got to communicate. You got to put it out there because otherwise it is it is it it just stays a thought and there's no action or whatever you know it's a so it is what it is but that's why we do this on the mm-hmm. podcast and i'm glad we are uh having this conversation while we're having this conversation i'd like to thank our sponsor who's sponsoring the program today and has been for the last couple of weeks we really appreciate thank it thank you guys wix.com a great business needs a stunning website and with wix.com you can do it all by yourself Wix.com makes it easy to look amazing online, no matter what type of business you're in. Show off your images in a beautiful gallery, grow your contact list, and get all your social media in one place, just the way you want. Your customers are going to love it. So what are you waiting for? Show the world what you can do. Go to Wix.com and create your stunning website today. It's easy and free. Hey, this is Damian Lemon from In The Conversation. And this is the voice of your choice, Ali Muhammad. And alongside with Vladimir Kamanyo, we present In The Conversation, the podcast. Yeah. If you like shit talk on a professional level, you all love In The Conversation. That's right. And you can find In The Conversation on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you go to listen to podcasts. Even if you listen through someone else's door. That's creepy, but we appreciate the support. And we at ya. Peace. All right, Joey. So you ready to get into this GOP convention coverage? Yes, I am. And I'm quite upset that uh, Tim Tebow ended up not speaking at the convention. I'm proud of him. That was the right move. The right move? Yeah, good for Tim Tebow. He, the thing about Tebow, you know, a lot of people make fun of him for his religion and all that stuff. And obviously, you know, I, I'm not the most religious person in the mm-hmm. world. But he definitely lives that way. Yes. Like I, to me, he seems like a nice guy. It doesn't seem like he's you know, going against anybody. He seems like a genuinely good person that's yes. trying to help. Uh, and so, yeah, he probably saw the tenor of what was going on there, and he was like, eh, not gonna do I'm it. not going to get involved. Uh, I got to be honest, too. I haven't watched a, as much of it as I want. I've watched a bit of it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, like I said, I do, I do like live news coverage. I like breaking news. So stuff like this is like catnip for me. I really enjoy it. Uh, but I have some clips we're going to get into. Nice. So the big news, obviously, uh, off the start of the convention, Melania Trump, uh, the wife of the Don, mm-hmm. uh, got into a bit of a plagiarism situation. She gave her speech on Thursday night, and a certain percentage of it was lifted basically right out of Michelle Obama's speech in uh, 08. Okay. Now, here's my question for you. I would love to try to answer it. Go go for it, Jay. Uh we have this job called speechwriters, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming that at a GOP convention, yeah. everyone who is given a speech has this said speechwriter. Yes. So how can we blame her for a speech that she did not write? Well, here, okay. Do you want to? Do we want to watch the clip? Because I have a clip comparing Michelle and Melania, and then we'll get into this. Yes. All right, so let's watch that because it's a great question. You're right. Mm. We're going to talk about it because the Trump campaign produced a number of different um, excuses before somebody actually came forward and was like, my fault. We're yes. going to get it. So let's listen to the clip. Let's even determine, did she did she take this? Yeah, this did, was this lifted? Uh, and, then, and then we'll get into that very question. Okay. But please remember to ask it again or yes. whatever. We'll get into it. All right, so now this is a breakdown of obviously Michelle Obama, uh, who you can tell is Michelle Obama because mm. – 
she sounds like Michelle Obama. And then Melania Trump, who has a bit of an accent, or I forget where she's from, Slovenia or somewhere. You could tell it's her. So Michelle's well, going uh, first. Uh, also, let's keep in mind that uh, she is known for being a model. Yeah. And from what I understand, most models don't give speeches. No, she's a private person, Melania yes. Trump. And, you know, this is one of her big, her coming out parties, yes. essentially. This is like a big deal for her. So, all right. So this is uh, Michelle Obama in 08 giving her um, potential first lady speech. Raised with so many of the same values. Here, wait, wait, wait. I want to start like, it over. Hold on. Because again, Brock, it's very clear. Brock and I were raised with what, what so many idiot. of I the same values. Brock and I were raised <laughs> why, why with... Is it, why that is it going Brock awesome. and I? Brock and I? Barack and I is what yes. she's saying. Okay, here we go. With so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond. That you do what you say you're going to do. My parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life. That your word is your bond. Uh-oh. <laughs> as soon as she said, your word is your bond, mm -hmm. like, first of all, that's a weird phrase for her it's to be using. An, it's a common phrase. No, it's not that common. Your word is your bond. Absolutely. That word is bond. That's not a very common. Come on, Joey. What? Not, no, absolutely. Okay. Well, anyway, that's pretty simple let's just whatever let's just finish it because she did spoiler alert she did plagiarize and you do what you say and keep your promise <laughs> Same. that you treat people with dignity and respect even if you don't know them and even if you don't agree with them that you treat people with respect they thought and showed me values and morals in their daily life that is a lesson that I continue to pass along to our son. And we need to pass those lessons on to the many generations to follow. Do you know what the, the main issue I have with all this? What? No one's listening to the message. It's the message she's putting out there, which is more important than if she lifted it from Michelle. No, don't be silly. That's not true. We're going to get good, Johnny. It's not more important at all. If she pl if she plagiarized a speech verbatim from the former first lady, current first lady, right? But then she... that is definitely something worth paying the most attention. Yeah, to. Yeah, of course. And it's a speech about values. <laughs> yeah, like oh, so one of your values is like it doesn't really matter where these words came from. I'll just say them and I'll pretend those are my values. Come on, Joe, don't be silly. The value of what your speech writer wrote. It's we're we're gonna get into that. Okay, just fine, focus fine. on this for okay. now. People paid attention to the message of the speech when it was first written in two thousand eight. Right. Mm, Absolutely. Nice. Nicely done. Okay, here we go. Let's finish so, this up. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you, can you, when you nail a point, can you just yell, hey, now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Nice. And Barack and I set out to build lives guided by these values and to pass them on to the next generation because we want our children and all children in this nation to know that the only limit to the height of your achievements is the reach of your dreams and your willingness to work hard for them. Because... Because we want our children in this nation to know that the only limit to your achievements is the strength of your dreams and your willingness to work for them. Yeah, okay. that's precise. I mean, yes, okay. That's precisely the same. Now, to your point, mm -hmm. you're saying how are we blaming her? Isn't there a speechwriter? Two two points on this. Yes. 
number one, she spent the entire day before or earlier that day mm-hmm. being asked, who wrote the speech? Did you practice the speech? Yes, I practiced the speech. I wrote speech. She was, uh, that was a, t- I mean, I apologize. Do it again. I wrote speech. <laughs> uh, I apologize. But, you know, she spent the entire day being like, I pretty much wrote it. Everybody in the campaign was like, yeah, no, she she wrote the speech. Okay. She didn't, though. So mm-hmm. th- that's that's a lie, right? I mean, she didn't write the speech. Shocking. You assume that. Yeah. Shocking. So, yeah, I, you're right. It's unfair for people to be like, oh, she lifted it. She had nothing to do with it, probably. Um, I got, I got some uh, I got some quotes here. Now, these are... And ma- you know what, though? Here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe she did have something to do with it. Who knows? The bigger picture, Trump doesn't have a lot of campaign staff. He had like a... We find out later, just like a, a staff writer working on this. So question. So if... But they didn't hire a specific person to write the speech because they don't have enough money to, to hire a, a huge okay. staff like that. Okay. So that's a fuck... I mean, obviously, that's a big fuck up. Somebody yes. should have been vetting this thing, but they probably don't have enough people on it to do that. Yes. Which is very telling about um, the campaign. So do you feel that this whole thing could have been avoided if she gave praise to Michelle Obama or we can't do that? Well, you certainly can't... Well, here, so this is some... Uh, no, like in the speech? Like yes. Afterwards? Uh, no. Uh, okay. To quote the words of, no, absolutely not. No. Yeah. After you demonize Obama and all that, no. you can't, To that audience, no fucking way. Uh, these are a couple of the excuses they came out with. Okay. Uh, which uh, it's just... Excuse number it's one. It's just adorable, you know? Again, this is the party of personal responsibility. You know, next time, could we do some pre-prep in this because I would have loved to what? done can we do some pre-prep uh, well, I, I worked on this for three words, hours last night I emailed you the <laughs> have notes have you been what on the mean? internet Joey <laughs> yeah. have you been on the yeah, internet what, 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 I, I misspoke what I misspoke. pre-prep would you like Pokemon what do you want uh, what I would have liked to done was to have a little bod like family food uh-huh. and the t- first excuse uh, 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 three sure. excuse you know yeah not a, well yeah okay I, all right M- next time yes I'll get a fa- I'll get a family <laughs> feud style board set up for yeah this because day. that would have been hilarious and the number one reason why she did it is <laughs> yeah I understand yeah get co- coffee brains out listen Paul Manafort the uh, the Trump campaign manager yeah. he says there's no cribbing of Michelle Obama's speech these were common words and values yes she cares about her family to think that she'd be cribbing Michelle Obama's <laughs> words is crazy no it's not she did I mean she clearly did someone did it's okay so that was excuse number one Corey Lewandowski who's a former Trump aide on CNN well, God you got something to say. Uh, I was going to say common words and values, all in the same order of Michelle's common words and values. Yeah, they just mm. have, yeah. The it's order like, is. Can we at least mix and match the words uh, and values? C- couldn't agree with you more. Corey Lewandowski, who's a former Trump aide, he's yes. now a CNN commentator, which is ridiculous. But okay, he says rem- this. This I love this one because it contradicts itself as he's going. He goes, remember, <laughs> Melania Trump speaks four languages, unbelievably intelligent. This is not her native language. She relied on other people to make sure the speech was right, and it went through the process, which all convention speeches do. So, is she does she speak four languages and is incredibly brilliant, or can she not speak English and she needed help writing the speech? Like, make up your mind. It's a dumb. It's a dumb excuse. Yes, it's not a language barrier that she just accidentally, like Johnny said. Oh, she just threw these words in that exact order. That's crazy. yeah, because the language. Yeah, that's yeah, but insane. The overweight the cribbing. Cover- yeah, it is cribbing. The overweight governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, says 93, 93% of the speech is completely different from Michelle Obama's speech. They express some common thoughts. Yeah. yeah he's wrong on his percent. Yeah, of course. And 93% of what Chris Christie is made up of uh, also comes out of a Krispy Kreme factory. Is he a donut? No. Oh, but going for the easy laps again. Yeah, I can't help it. Haley Barber, who's the former uh, Mississippi governor, said, 
this this one is great. I just love the hoops they're jumping over to instead of just being like, yeah, we made a mistake. Yep. What was interesting to me is, did the campaign intend for this? What? Because everything that Melania Trump said that Barack Obama's wife had said are things that she said Barack Obama would do and he didn't do. <laughs> that makes no what sense. What kind of tortured I, logic I, is I, that? I don't even know what that Like means. he's saying that they were doing this uh, like ironically to, to point out that like, look what Michelle said. Barack was going to do this and he didn't. So that's why they, it's like, are you out of your that's fucking bad That's bad logic. Insanity. Yeah. Instead, because it's just a lie. It's just crazy. It's a lie. Later in the day, Meredith MacGyver, who is a Trump campaign speechwriter, came out and she says, uh, a person Melania has always liked is Michelle Obama. Over the phone, she read me some passages of Mrs. Obama's speech as examples. I wrote them down and later included some of the phrasing in the draft that ultimately became the final speech. This was my mistake, and I feel terrible for the chaos I have caused Melania and the Trumps, as well as Mrs. Obama. I meant no harm. Somebody falls on the sword. Plausible. Certainly that is could be what happened. Um, so there you go. That's that's what went on there. But ridiculous and just kind of an absurd fuck up. Forget. It's not her doing it. I get what happened. People make mistakes. It is an absurd fuck up, though, for a presidential campaign that's had all this time to write the speech to, to make a mix up like that. It's really crazy. I have a question for you. Yeah. When somebody falls on that sword. Yeah. Do they get points? Do you give them another opportunity or is it not this year, but she'll get it. She'll get, she'll be back. So in this case, it's not like she was thrown in front of the bus and that's it. Somebody look, somebody had to get thrown in front of the bus. Uh, you know, Mm. Trump's not going to say I fucked up. Melania can't come out and be like, I copied it. So, well, I don't believe this is even like Trump had anything to do with this. No, he probably didn't have much to do with it. Although I don't know, man, I don't know. There's no way to know. We don't really know how that campaign's being run. They don't have a ton of staff. It seems like Trump and his kids are running it pretty much with Paul Manafort, the campaign manager. So who the hell knows how involved any of them are with the whole process. Mm -hmm. But clearly it's not being run as well as, you know, Mr. Businessman would be able to to run America, supposedly. You know, this is a mess up to me. That's what it speaks volumes about. He can't get the campaign in order. It seems like it's going to be a tall task to run the country. Okay. Mm. Meanwhile, the next night, Don Jr.'s speech was also flagged for plagiarism, but it turned out the writer, Frank H. Buckley, copied from his own article. So, okay, but Jesus Christ, you couldn't rewrite that one? This guy had written an article months ago where he used certain phrasing, and then in the speech, he used his own phrasing. Phrasing, you know, so, okay. It's not plagiarism, but it's not a great idea. You'd think you'd probably rework that a little. Uh, uh, <laughs> see, see, uh, see, now I'm coming to the thought process of how much of this is branding and how much of this is speech writing. I don't understand what you mean. Why do they go... What? Like, what do you mean how much is branding, how much is speech writing? Well, what? well, what I mean is I feel that Eric Trump, right, is... No, I think it was Don Jr. Don Jr., okay, yeah. is trying to set himself apart. I, I, I'm thinking this is his coming out party. Kind of, yeah. I mean, he. I, from what I understand, those the Trump kids are kind of running the show over yes. there. But, okay, sure. So can you chalk it up to... We used the same words because that is the brand. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because, right. And a speechwriter, I'm assuming, has to put out a brand. And this is the brand that Don wants to put out there. 
Yeah, of course. Well, th- I mean, look, this speech writing is a difficult art. Yes. Very few people actually get to do it all the time. And the ones that do get paid very well to do it, and they're great at it. Now, again, like I'm saying, the Trump campaign doesn't seem like they have a ton of money on hand. Mm. They are not getting the cream of the crop uh, when it comes to the speech writing. But yes, the task of the speech writer is to present a vision, yes. to present something um, that the person he's writing the speech for would want to put out there, but in a way that it, that will resonate with the most amount of people and be the most powerful. That's his job. But to put it in the context of the person that's giving that speech... Uh, the phrase here, I looked up the phrase. So you, you tell me why they would have used it. It's, 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 it's flowery. It's nice. What should be an elevator to the upper class is stalled on the ground floor. Part of the fault for this may be laid out at the feet of the system's entrenched interest, the teachers unions and the higher education professorate. Our schools and universities are like the old Soviet department stores whose mission was to serve the interests of the sales clerk and not the customers. So it's like, okay, he invokes the Soviet union. He's talking, you know, it's a little bit of flower. So that's why you'd use it. It's just like, mm-hmm. it's a good line. And it makes sense for what Trump and, and the son are trying to sell. Now, let me say this also, because mm-hmm. there's another aside. An article came out in the New Yorker that I read, very interesting article, mm-hmm. and I highly recommend it. It was Trump's Boswell comes forth or something like that. It reveals himself. Uh, a Boswell being somebody who's like a, um, an inspiration of or, okay. or whatever, something that's, that's, that, is, that is based on. Okay, This guy came out, uh, God, well, I can't remember his first name, but it's Schwartz. It's in the New Yorker. You can find mm-hmm. it. He was the one that ghost wrote The Art of the Deal. The book that Trump oh. heralds as like his, you know, The Art of the Deal, great book, that in the Bible, that's what I love. He didn't write it. It was written by this guy Schwartz, and that's not disputed. He split half the royalties with Trump. He got a byline credit, and he continued, and he got half the advance, which was a million dollars. This guy has been making money hand over fist for years and years off the art of the deal. He created the Trump image, deal maker image. And it's a really interesting article to read because this guy spent a lot of time with Trump, and he kind of breaks down. This is what the guy's about. And blah, blah, you know, I'm not going to, we're not going to have to get into the whole thing, but it's very interesting, especially when you consider that Trump launched this whole thing on the idea of like, I'm great at deals. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't, he's not great at deals. Because he had, yeah. You know, this is, this is an imaginary character that was created. He, he made the, be- took the best aspects of this guy and created a fiction, but it's not, the art of the deal is not written by Donald Trump. So even the thing that he is supposedly well known for is a farce. It's an image. It's a brand. It's very interesting to take a look at. Very interesting. Uh, he's running the perfect campaign. <laughs> well, he's running a losing campaign, but yeah. Um, he's certainly got, he's pulled the wool over a few eyes, though. Let's put it that way. And that's what he's more been, than a few. My that's friend. what he's good at. That's his thing. It's truthful hyperbole. That was one of the things in the article. Ooh, Tr- this guy great. would spend the day, this guy Schwartz would spend the day with Trump because he was like, Trump had no attention span like i would sit there and try to ask him questions and he would clearly be bored and be fidgeting and he wouldn't want to do it like he just wouldn't want to answer any questions about an autobiography that he was going to or whatever a biography he was going to write for him so then later the guy was like what if we just wrote a book about deal making or something like you know about you that's sort of like in that guise but it's sort of like a you know the book that ended up mm-hmm. being and trump was like i love that do you want to write it and the guy was like sure okay so he ended up spending a lot of time with Trump, and he'd sit in the office with Trump, just kind of observing him, writing down things that Trump would do during the day. And he said he would watch Trump on the phone for like hours a day, tell Joey one thing, tell Johnny another thing. He'd lie. It didn't matter to him. He would just tell people different things. All Results, things. mother. Just didn't matter to him. And he would end fo- every phone call. He'd go, you're the greatest. Okay, bye. You're the greatest. You're the, you're greatest. the greatest. And he's like, it was just this, this 
crazy whirlwind of Trump just making things up to different people, lying to get things done. And then he also, so when he was writing them the book, he coined the phrase truthful hyperbole. And he's like, Trump loved that. He loved it. Yeah. Because that's what he's like. He's like, that's what I do. Exactly. I love that. My right. God. But he's just lying. That's all it is. So anyway, really interesting article, but that ties into the whole people writing for you and creating a brand. Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? The, uh, the gentleman said, uh, well, his name was what? Schwartz. Schwartz. I forget what his first name is. Well, wouldn't it be great to sit down for five minutes with him? That'd oh, be great. Uh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, he and he's been quiet about it because- he tweeted the first day when Trump came out and he was like, the writer of Art of the Deal should definitely be the president of the United States or something like yeah. that. And that guy tweeted, well, thanks, Donald, for the endorsement because I'm the one that wrote the Art of the Deal. <laughs> and that was the only thing he said oh, until now. Now we have this piece come out, obviously, in The New Yorker because he's kind of uh, worried that... That's tr- awesome. He's like, we should be worried if that Trump can become president. He's like, this guy's not... does not have the temperament to become president. Oh, that's awesome. It's very, very interesting shit. Um... Wacky-ass Ben Carson, maybe one of the last times we're going to hear anything uh, substantial from him. No, 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 Okay, no. He spoke at the convention. Would you like to hear some of uh, <laughs> Ben Carson's speech? Yeah. If it has anything to do with Lucifer, the answer is oh, no. Oh, God damn it, Joey. Really play it. Why Go. are you such a... <laughs> Jesus Christ, you blow the load so early. This is Ben Carson addressing the, uh, the RNC. We'll just listen for like a minute and change here, and then I'm going to refute some of what Ben Carson said. Mm-hmm. Uh, So here's Dr. Ben Carson. Neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon. Now, one of the things that I have learned about Hillary Clinton is that one of her heroes, her mentors, was Saul Alinsky. Which, that's what they always throw around. He wrote the book, The Rules for Radicals, Mm -hmm. and he was like this community organizing type of person, like this leftist guy. But, okay, he, he, it was like the 1930s. He wasn't Hillary Clinton. Okay, whatever. God, God sweet Ben, and then, uh, then, I'll, then I'll talk about it. <laughs> Boo! We recognize the name Saul Alinsky. Boo! <laughs> and her senior thesis was about Saul Alinsky. This was someone that she greatly admired and that affected all of her philosophies subsequently. Now, interesting. Conjecture, move to strike. <laughs> Interestingly enough, let me tell you something about Saul Alinsky. He wrote a book called Rules for Radicals. On the dedication page, it acknowledges Lucifer, the original radical who gained his own kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, think about that. This is a nation where our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, talks about certain inalienable rights that come from our creator. Mm-hmm. This is a nation where our Pledge of Allegiance says we are one nation under God. Mm-hmm. This is oh, they knew how to fill in the blank on that. They were like, God, Lucifer, no, God. A nation. This is a nation where every coin in our pocket and every bill in our wallet says, in God we trust. So are we willing to elect someone as president who has as their role model somebody who acknowledges Lucifer? Think about that. Yeah, I'll I'll fucking think about that. The secular progressive agenda is antithetical to the principles of the founding of this nation. And if we continue to allow them 
to take God out of our lives, God will remove himself from us. We will not be blessed, and our nation will go down the tubes. God is just going to... What is disturbing to me about that whole thing mm-hmm. is that he refers to God as like an actual person that is actively deciding to do things like an old Testament kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like if we don't do this, God will remove himself. He's literally thinking about God as a, a person choosing to get rid of the United States because we're being bad. That's bonkers for a guy that is that able to to be that intelligent and do neurosurgery and all this stuff. What the fuck is going on with that guy? That is a disturbing thing to me. And I also want to say this, because he makes a couple of incorrect uh, statements there. Saul Linsky did write The Rules for Radicals. He didn't dedicate the book to Lucifer. It was an epigraph to The Rules for Radicals. And this is exactly what it says. It says, lest we forget at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical. From all our legends, mythology, and history, and who is to know where mythology leaves leaves off and history begins, or which is which, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did it so effectively that he at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Now, that's great literary prose that's like brilliantly written, and it's obviously tongue-in-cheek, you jerk. The kingdom he won is hell. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily something to be proud of. He's just saying, if we're going to go back yes. into all of our history, he's the original radical. That's all he's saying. Yes. That's not saying that they worship Lucifer. And also... It doesn't seem like a dedication ben, to him. It's not a fucking dedication. It's an epigraph. And then, you don't think Ben Carson, if he believes that God is up there pulling strings and like actively doing things based mm-hmm. on what we do, you don't think he believes that Satan's real? Ben Carson doesn't believe that Satan's a real person sitting down there? Of course he does. You'd have to. He, I believe he's calling Hillary Clinton Satan. He's, he's, what he's inferring is that Hillary Clinton is a leftist radical who- Worships Satan. Yeah, has some, has some connection to Satan worship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But like, what kind of, uh, it's incredible. Again, I, I'm shocked by this guy because it's like a brilliant person mm-hmm. who also thinks like a child. Yes. It's very, very strange. Maybe that's why he's able to perform brain surgery on children. He in, <sighs> intimately understands how their minds work because he is a, a childlike mind. Uh, sh- stunning. Hey, Joey. Yes. Ted Cruz. Uh, we're going to close with this part of the, uh, the convention coverage. You ready? Uh-huh. Ted Cruz got to give a speech last night. And well, God, uh, who would put him on the stage? <laughs> Somebody, please tell me when you're supposed to be pro-Trump and trumping it up. Well, why would you put up Trump's primary ad- adversary? No. Adversary. Adversary. Thank you. And any <sighs> public appearance, he gives. Well, a, let's play the videotape. Yeah, Cruz gives a good speech. I'll Great tell speech. you that. Great speech. And I'm really proud of this guy. <laughs> I got to be honest. Here we go. Ted Cruz last night children as much as I know that you do. Stand and speak and vote your conscience. Vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. Say his name. Say his name. Endorse him. Just say it. Endorse him. Say it. Say it. Say it. God bless each and every one of you, and God bless the United States of America. 
<laughs> he gets booed out. He didn't do it. Oh, sweet Trump. I mean, sweet Ted. He refused to uh, endorse Trump. You had one job. Yeah, well, one Trump. The, the, All he had to say was Trump. The, the, you could have walked on stage, said Trump, walk on stage. <laughs> Trump. Here's the thing. Everybody's up Bernie's ass. I agree. You know, I understand where people are coming from. They're mad at Bernie, um, you know, for endorsing Hillary. Sure. But that's the game. That's the game he played. It's to say, it's kind of like the coup. You lose the coup. You got to go to jail or whatever. You got to get pay, pay the price. Bernie fought the fight. He lost, and the way to f end the war is you got to endorse Hillary. Now, Cruz goes there with the idea that he's going to endorse Trump or he's going to you know, support the guy. He doesn't. Good for him, man. I, got, I gained respect for Ted Cruz last night. I have to. That's, that's a <laughs> radical move right there. Good for you, man. Fuck her. Fuck him, you know? Uh, uh, I really, really would pay anything to be a fly on the wall with whoever greenlit him him giving a speech that night. Well, he's a sneak. This is why everybody hates him. He he said he was going to do it. That's genius. That's genius. Well, it's not genius. I no, mean, it is. He gets up there. Everyone's expecting him to say Trump, and he doesn't do it. Like, here, Ted, we'll give you 15 minutes on stage. <laughs> just okay? say Trump. You just got to say you endorse Trump. No, I will. <laughs> and then he goes up there, and he, all he did was just lie. But... God, why not? It's just it's so chaotic over there, and of course, everybody's talking about how the de how are the Democrats ever going to unite? Uh, it took three days. This is still a mess. Nobody's with Trump. <laughs> this is a disaster over there. Uh, it's it's so fun anyway. To watch. Good for you, Ted. I'm proud of you, buddy. That that was uh, the wrong move, but certainly <laughs> the right move in <laughs> That's my opinion. Great. Um, all right. 2016 update. Then we'll wrap up. We yeah. don't want we don't want to leave the Samsonites hanging around for too long. Uh, but I think this has been a fun episode. It's been a great episode. Not, you know, there's been some sad shit that we've talked about, but I think we got into but it. But we're well. having the conversation. That's all anybody can ask of us. Uh, according to Nate Silver, Hillary has a 63 percent chance of becoming president, uh, which is down a little bit from mm -hmm. I think we said 80 percent or 77 percent. Numbers only go down. Yeah, you you always say that. What's interesting here is watch to see. This is according to Nate Silver. Again, mm -hmm. I trust this guy. If he says the numbers are the numbers, that's what the case is, and I believe his percentages. He says, watch to see if Trump can tie Hillary in polls between the RNC and the DNC. So over the next couple mm. of days, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, or whatever the Democrats start, if he does, he got a good convention bounce. If he doesn't tie, it's gonna, it's, it was a bad bounce. Because uh, typically you get a bounce off the convention because yes. there's a lot of people saying good things about you. And, you know, it's like a feel-good week for the party. This doesn't seem like it's going well for them necessarily, but okay. So we'll just keep our eye on that. Nah, I don't like the fact that it's only 63% chance. I'm not supporting Hillary, but whew, close. How much <laughs> more do you need? 63 is fine. I'd I'd rather, take yeah. a 13-point cushion any day. Yeah, but you're not even looking at it the right way. It's not even a point cushion. According to Nate Silver, she's got like a four-point lead mm -hmm. in the polls. Mm -hmm. Like, really, if you factor all the polls, then it's four points. Her odds of winning the election, though, is at 63%. Might take that any day. Yeah, well, I'd rather that than being in a, you know, a negative percentage, right? 30% or something, right? Um, on Saturday, this is big news. Hillary yes. Clinton announced that she would introduce a constitutional amendment within her first 30 days in office to overturn Citizens United. It doesn't mean that she it would happen, but she's willing within the first 30 days in office to put forth an amendment to the Constitution. She overnight. is going to fight for every millennial <laughs> voter supporter of Bernie. That, that is what that is. That is, is a call to arms. Hey, look at me. Please give me your vote. I know. And I'll just say it. I, I won't do it, but I'll say it. I don't trust her. 
I don't trust her. But okay, but look, that's a big thing for her to put out there. At it's least. a it's huge. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I also God damn it. I, I, I have it. a question. Yeah. If if she looked, if Hillary Clinton came to New York Stand Up Labs, looked you in the eye, uh-huh. and said, "Chris, if I put this amendment, not nah, Chris, if Say I got like your Hillary. vote, Chris, Chris, <laughs> I want your vote, and I will guarantee you, mm-hmm. if you vote for me." I will put that amendment turning over Citizens United. Do I get your vote? No. Wow. <laughs> no. Wow. Okay. I'd have, well, first of all, I'd have to look her in the eyes. So that's yes. a different story. Just Andrew, saying I'm going to put the amendment out is good. Mm-hmm. Guaranteeing that it'll get become part of the Constitution. If she could say that to me, I'd say, okay, I'll vote for you. You could but drive you, a hard bargain. <laughs> yeah, yes, I do. Chris, I got to head out. Oh, sorry. can you believe this? Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. No, well, I mean, I, I, I don't think you had to interrupt necessarily, <laughs> but uh, no, that's fine, Johnny. I understand. It's uh, approaching six o'clock here on the East Coast. Uh, I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you hanging. Dinner with the grandparents. Oh, well, uh, please. Enjoy. Go enjoy yourself. I appreciate you doing the production work over there today. Very happy to be part of the podcast. Yeah, I mean, we're happy to have you. All right. All en- right. Enjoy your night, Johnny. Thanks. Hey, now. Um, yeah, I don't know, Joey. No, I don't think I could... Okay. I don't think I could support her. You never know. If you look, if Hillary, you hear this and you want to show up and you want to talk it out, I'm more than willing to discuss it with you. Because she did say she wanted to fight for every single vote, and I just don't feel she's fighting for every single vote. Yeah. Yeah, you know. It's another, it's another more rhetoric. Yes. I skipped over Trump. <laughs> Trump tweeted about Donald, uh, about Ted Cruz. Go, wow. Ted got booed off the stage. Didn't honor the pledge. I saw his speech two hours early, but let him speak anyway. No big deal. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> that's it's great. A, that's a classic. That's a classic Trump tweet. All yeah, right. It is. Uh, 2016 update. Here we go. The VP shortlist member, uh, Senator Tim Kaine, who I think might actually be the person that Hillary picks to be our VP. From the great state of Virginia. Virginia. Uh, he has been pushing back deregul- uh, pushing bank deregulation this week while he's campaigning. So mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. She actually might announce this on Friday. We're recording on Thursday yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, evening. But we might hear who our VP pick is tomorrow. Trying to pop that, you know, RNC balloon mm-hmm. uh, after the campaign. Bernie Sanders drafting committee delegate Cornell West endorsed Jill Stein last week saying, I am with her, the only progressive woman in the race. This November, we need change, yet we are tied in a choice between Trump, who would be a neo-fascist catastrophe, and Clinton, a neoliberal disaster. That's why I am supporting Jill Stein. Uh, Clinton policy of the policies of the 1990s generated inequality, mass incarceration, privatization of schools, and Wall Street domination. There is also a sense that the Clinton policies helped produce the right-wing populism that we're seeing now in the country, and we think she's going to come to the rescue. That's not going to happen. I have a deep love for my brother Bernie Sanders, but I disagree with him on Hillary Clinton. So, Who said that? Dr. Cornell West. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I just... Hey, look, wow. I'm supporting Jill Stein as well. So I'm in the same wow. boat there with uh, the the good doctor. Uh, and then, yeah, finally, Trump officially picked Mike Pence as his running mate. But we mentioned that last yeah, week. Yeah, we did. Uh, and I got an email from uh, from Michael. He sent in an email about Pence. But mm-hmm. I told him, I was like, it's really crazy. You would think that the VP pick would have felt more consequential or be something that we'd really want to talk about. But that feels really like the last news cycle. It doesn't really feel like... It's kind of out of the consciousness already. Um, I don't know enough about him to to 
draw a conclusion. Um, hey, super conservative guy, anti-gay, classic, classic uh, right-wing Republican, conservative, whatever. And you know, I mean, to me personally, I would have picked. And I know it's it's kind of like, oh, it's the crazy pick. Gingrich was the guy to pick because New Gingrich makes Trump look a little more rational. Yes. Um, but Gingrich can turn a phrase. Gingrich is a good speaker. He's an interesting guy to listen to, at least. He's a head Republican figure. Yeah, it was an elected official. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Pence is just a boring, safe choice, I think. Probably. Guy from Indiana. Yeah, the kids picked him, as, uh, as I understand it. Uh, so it is what it is. But, you know, I would have gone with Gingrich. Yeah. That's me. Kay. He would have at least been fun. The whole Trump thing is You know like, who I would have went with? Christie. Bridgegate, did that cost him VP? Again, once again, another another loudmouth from the East Coast. Yeah, you can't can't have two loudmouths. They're the same. <laughs> They're the same guy. Trump's just doing it better. But goddamn, he's going to make a great attorney general. Yeah, never, because Trump's not going to become president. But anyway, I would have gone with Gingrich. That's just my okay. opinion. Uh, all right, Joe, are you ready to wrap it up? Yes, I am. Let's do this. <laughs> oh, Joey's got to get to a pokey stop, apparently. Uh, listen, Samsonites, we love you. Thank you for... Uh, tuning into the program once again. We appreciate it every time you do. You can find the show on iTunes. You can leave us a rating. You can leave us a comment on there. Let your friends know about the podcast if you enjoy it. We'd like to keep this thing growing. We, we appreciate all your support, but we'd love to get uh, more people on board with us. SoundCloud.com slash Mandatory Samson. That is where you can find the episodes alternately to uh, iTunes. You can also go on Google Play if you're an Android listener and you'd like to listen on there. Email us, MandatorySampson at gmail.com. Uh, we respond to all of those, so don't be alarmed. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, all the rest. I'm Man Samp. Joey is at Joey from Jersey. Jersey is spelled with a Z. You can find him on all the all the major popular social media platforms. Uh, we're gonna be back next week for episode number ninety. Joey, can you believe it? Good lord, that's a lot. That's a lot of episodes. Uh, and again, the uh, Democratic convention, I believe, is next week. So we'll have some coverage of that, and we'll see how that whole thing goes. I don't think it's gonna be a fiasco, like. Uh... Honestly, I don't feel that the Republican convention has been that bad. I feel that they've done more good than bad. I believe the image still intact. Yeah, well, and you're getting that brand of value that is Donald Trump. Uh, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just let you. <laughs> fine, I'll let you have the last word on it. We love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. This has been a Stand Up Labs production powered by digital media. Subscribe to new and archive episodes wherever you listen to podcasts and find all of our shows at StandUpLabs.nyc. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Yeah. yeah.